This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. And if you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 133 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, I want to start today's episode by thanking everyone that listened to last week's conversation with Nick, aka Basketballers on Instagram, uh, and also everyone that watched his video on my YouTube channel. His idea for a basketball card typeset binder was something that really got me thinking. After talking with him, I know I want to make something similar in the future. I'm just not sure exactly what. I need to think on it some more before I go out and order materials, but I definitely want to do something similar. And you know, maybe I need to look at some coin binders too. I've had several people message this week and say that that's how they've collected different uh, pennies or shillings over the years. Uh, now, that last sentence, I suppose, would have been a killer segue to move into a breakdown of the Probstein-Bill Mastro interview from Instagram Live from uh, Wednesday afternoon. Well, you won't get that from me today. I'm recording this on Tuesday night, so that conversation hasn't actually happened yet. Instead, I have for you today... A discussion with a collector that needs no introduction, on this show at least. It's been a little while now since he's been on. He's a bit of a recurring character here. I felt like it was time to bring him back, although I do want to give him a new title. So, Steve, are you okay if I appoint you as the official New England area correspondent for the Wax Museum podcast? Um, I'll accept the title, but we'll have to talk about uh, terms of the contract uh, when we're off air, Kyle. But uh, I, I appreciate where that's coming from. Yeah, I'll take that one. Oh, we can do it on air because I <laughs> assumed you would ask. So I will gladly pay you in Gabe Pruitt sticker autos. I'd be very happy to do that for you. Uh, I would I would think you're kidding, but there's no doubt in my mind that you've got a few Gabe Pruitt sticker <laughs> autos for some reason. I, I probably do have some stashed away. But you know what? We we do need that Northeast exposure. Uh, the listeners need to know that there's more than Florida and there's more than Indiana in the card world. So we've got to give the people what they need. Let's go ahead and jump in, though, today. As always, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. So thank you for coming on. So even though I have a new title for you today, no matter what I call you, when people message me, you are still that Jay Crowder guy. And um, as I've said before, I have a bit of a soft spot for player and team collectors, so we'll start there. Where are all the Crowder cards? I'm watching your account. I'm seeing all this nice stuff show up. 
I think I've seen one Jay Crowder card over the last month, and that was today. Yeah. That was this afternoon. Yeah. Um, so, so I have been picking up some Crowder stuff. I think I mentioned, you know, we talked about last time I was on about, you know, I'll pick up the rear stuff, but he, he hasn't been in any releases. Uh, so people really want an update. Um, and I saw this on your notes, and I was wondering where you were going from it. If you you knew he wasn't in anything, or if you're just going by my my Instagram, I've got I've got a couple nicer cards that will hit my my Instagram that are coming from overseas. Um, but I I I personally get really tired of seeing the same picture just with different shiny color on it. If, you know, from other collectors, and not not that I don't want to see player collectors, but Crowder's only been in Donruss and Prism this year, and I just think it's kind of boring to just re post the exact same prism card um but maybe it's purple instead of blue or maybe it's blue instead of white you know it's so i haven't been posting them i've been picking them up I'm, i have but I, I think i said last time too i'm kind of burnt out on the chase i'm not going as hard at as i'm picking up the rear stuff just so i have it now and i'll grab the other stuff you know down the line on com c or sport lot so uh crowder just hasn't been in releases which i think is probably his role but I don't know if you want to talk about it. I have a whole conspiracy theory that it's Panini really plays to the the group breakers, specifically the team breakers. So when he was on Memphis last year, and you know Ja Morant was selling spots and breaks, Panini felt like they probably had to up the number of Grizzlies cards to make sure there's some value there. Whereas the Suns don't have that star rookie that would drive breaks, so I think they're just including fewer Suns players this year. Not to mention they haven't actually made a Jay Crowder Suns card yet. Um, He's still in the Miami Heat in Panini's eyes, so that might confuse them too. <laughs> um, but yeah, there just hasn't been much to pick up, and I'm, I'm not upset about it because I'm, I'm kind of just tired of the same old um, shiny cards. So it's it's been kind of a relief too to be able to focus on something else without having to completely give up that focus in my collection, which is still a primary focus for sure. You know, I, I thought the Crowder uh, Heat card in Prism was egregious, and then I saw the new WNBA release. Oh my God. Oh. Uh, Prism. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give a shout out here to old dirty Mooch. Yeah. I believe that's his yep. name yep. on Twitter. Um, he has an ongoing thread of the goofs and mistakes and just awful things in this Prism, this new WNBA Prism set, which is really a shame. And I think he's up to 13 or 14, like legitimate, you know, not just little picky things, but like, you know, hey, this player is black and this player is yeah. white and they confuse them. Um, so it, it's pretty wild. I'll, I'll get to see that firsthand, I think, later this week. I have two blasters coming in. So if you want to see me uh, mispronounce names and and try and do my best at, at breaking this product, um, that might be that might show up on Instagram or YouTube later this week. We'll see. Do you think we're done with Crowder in in Panini though? Like, is this it? Um, you know, you know, it's it's interesting because, and I, I you've kind of hinted at this uh, on some of your previous episodes, and you've been talking about the the stock decrease in in player one stuff. Typically, at, at a minimum, he would be in some sort of preferred or crown royal this year with some finals, you know, re, uh, relics from last year and. Who knows if they even do that this year? Did they go down the bubble and and secure some some uniform? So, it it very well could be that he's back to where he was during his his time in Utah and Cavs, where he was put into just hoops and and or Donruss, and then maybe one other product per year if it was a lower end product that they just wanted to spread out the checklist. So, uh, we'll see. I'm I'm really hoping. I I mean, as a player collector that also loves relics and likes to 
use the player collection to track, you know, um, the history of the game. I, I would love to be able to have one relic, true patch card from each of the teams he played on, which could eventually be all 30 teams at the rate he's going. But um, <laughs> it, it very well could be that he they just put him back into your wife's favorite product until he, until they lose their license or he retires. So we'll see. Is she, and she doesn't get a break any of it now. That's that's a shame too. She doesn't want to pay um, 500 bucks a box for a blaster. No, no. Um, I think I talked about how we, we found some Donruss yeah. at one point and, and we opened it and she said, uh, wow, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, I know. And also, I, I I do hate to burst your bubble, but um, we didn't get any finals nameplates in National Treasures this year. I don't. I think we're done with finals relics. I I hate to say it, and, and especially now that you know Panini is losing their license. I I think I think they're just gonna say, hey, no more finals relics. They're expensive. You know why do it? I thought they had an agreement with the NBA where they'd get a set of them anyway, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on to be yeah. honest with you. All right, well, you know, speaking of Crowder cards, um, I guess a good follow-up to this question would be one of the questions that I received in my inbox for you because I wanted the uh, listeners to ask you some questions. So it doesn't fit the rapid-fire format so much, but it's a good follow-up to our opener. And it comes from Hugo, a.k.a. Nebrolian underscore PC. And he asked, it's a really good question. It's one that I've kind of asked myself when looking at your post before. He said, as a player collector, I've noticed that you sometimes grab cards you aren't a fan of in the first place. Why? So it's a good question, and, and shout out to Hugo. We, we talk on a regular basis, and he's never asked me that. Um, I've kind of talked around that. Part of it is the completionist in me. I've, I've started this journey, and if I don't continue it, I, I, I especially with crowd where the cards are so cheap, I can't bring myself to say I'm not going to get this card because it would just – it would impact the way I've collected to date with him where there's other sets I might not like. So it's a completionist factor to me where like I, I did pick up a prism tiger card. I hate those cards. They're swirly. I don't get the whole animal theme. One popped up, you know, I got it cheap enough on auction and I, I'll add it to the binder and ha- happy to have it. But it also, I, I flipped through that binder and I can go through my time in the collection. Like I'm collecting these cards live. I am a collector while they're being released. So as I go back over the years, it reminds me of the, the changes in the hobby and, and being able to go back into last year's binder where last year alone is an entire binder, whereas most of my other crowders, I can fit three or four seasons in a binder. And it it's a, a remembrance of the hobby as well as the player. Um, but you can cont- contrast that to like a higher end, a higher cost player, like my Paul Pierce collection. I have to be very focused on that. I, I, fo- I collect only tops brand stuff for the most part minus this weird little one year of exquisite that i'll, I'll chase when i have some funds I, I don't go after the flare of the skybox stuff a lot unless i like it so I, I won't pick up stuff for paul pierce that i i don't like the card it has to fit the style of card i like whereas crowder more the completionist i will i'll go after trying to to complete everything i can it's just a different approach um and a way to just keep me engaged at, at different levels in the hobby yeah i mean it's hard not to pick that stuff up when you've got so much other stuff. I feel like I, and I, I think I've used this analogy before, but it's like, I don't, well, and DVDs aren't much of a thing anymore, but at one point I had Rocky one through four on DVD. I go to the, uh, the value bin and I see Rocky five. Well, I got to buy it. You know, it is what it is because I got to complete the run. So, um, I get it. You know, I've done the player collecting thing. I don't envy you. Um, I joke about it, but I get it. So I, I do understand that. Good question, though, Hugo. 
Okay, um, let's segue into some more questions from listeners. We've got, let's see, one, two, three, I think six questions here. Um, for those of you that didn't see it earlier this week, I put out an Instagram post asking if anyone had rapid fire questions for Steve. So Steve, if you get too wordy with this next handful of questions, I'm going to cut you off. And by the way, Steve has not seen these before. So these are all new to him. Okay. First question (laughs) comes from the itch for cards who ask on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love (laughs) see, how much do you love Jay Crowder's bulging? biceps uh a 10 and if i it's because if i'm going to collect uh pictures of men then i'm going to collect pictures of real men and he's got manly biceps so i'm going to go a full 10 on that one fair enough uh question number two taylor lahue ask what are some quick tips that you have for beginner collectors um for beginner collectors i would just say start with something that and i know it's cliche start with something you enjoy so a player that you enjoy and and delve into maybe some of their rookie base rookie year cards just to get a sense of of some of the releases. And then the real real recommendation I have is is to make connections and you know discuss cards with people before you go and spend money on a lot of cards. But I would start um, focusing on singles of players that you really like, and then you know join the social media and the forums and stuff to get some information and go from there. Okay, the next question comes from Jeff, aka Ku Coach ITB. Um, you guys had a big weekend here recently he asked what is your favorite 90s album favorite 90s album so um is can it just be my album of 90s basketball cards <laughs> um my favorite <laughs> 90s album that i still listen to is nirvana's unplugged okay uh and i'm assuming you know nickelback silver side up came out in 2001 so that's why we didn't get that answer there yeah that's uh right. next question was uh is from Eric aka slangandrocks.pc. He said is a hot dog a sandwich. We've got some real hard-hitting hobby content here so far. Keep it up guys. No, a, a hot dog is not a sandwich. It's it's a separate category in and of itself and um this is going to be a great story that'll tie into something we talk about later but we can uh, if he wants to hit me up I'll tell him all about New England hot dog buns. All right. I'm not sure where we're going with that, <laughs> uh but I'll roll with it. Okay, uh, this one's good. I like this one. MC Basketball PC asks if Steve could kick one player out of the NBA with unilateral authority, who would it be? Kick one player out of the NBA. I mean, you're not gonna like this, but if I could go back in time, it's Ron Artest. So I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it there because it ties it ties in with you. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, our next um, card, our next question. You got me flustered here. Our next question. <laughs> Deals with uh, Paul Pierce's shorts, which Ron Artest once removed. So yep. that's fitting. Um, it said, this is from LA, I'm sorry, LIAO.cards. They ask, how much would you pay for a Paul Pierce jersey card containing, and then they put the poop emoji, from his infamous poop game? Um, I wouldn't because uh, that's unsanitary, but I have no problem with what happened because he obviously lost a few pounds and could jump a little easier to hit some three-pointers that that won that game. So I'm all right with that. You know, if it's all about narrating the history of the game and the ins and outs of the game, then sometimes you just got to take one for the team. I'll I'll leave that one up to you. I'm sure you can track down those shorts. (laughs) I probably could, which is sad. I live a sad existence. All right. That's enough of the uh, rapid fire stuff. I don't know. Well, number one, I'm out of questions here, but I don't know how much further we could go with that. Um, I know you didn't get a Paul Pierce poop relic. 
But you did get a pretty significant Pierce Relic from one of my favorite products of all time. So this is normally around the time of the episode where I would have a mail segment anyway. Um, I don't have a lot of mail here, but let's talk mail. Let's talk your mail. Tell me about this Paul Pierce card. Yeah, so the the one you're talking about is uh, 2000. So again, I, I kind of segued into this a little bit earlier when I talked about tops cards and my my primary focus, my Pierce stuff. And it's 2005-2006 Topps Big Game, which is a set. I wasn't collecting them, but it's a set that absolutely fascinates me. And I got the 101 Logo Man for that. And just real quickly, in case people haven't seen it, it's a set that both the they have nameplate cards and the logo men, and there's no image on the front of the card. It's just like the border of the card looks like a, a pseudo basketball, and then it's just a patch. And if you really want to get a sense of the essence of this, you got to find the Shaquille O'Neal apostrophe card because it's like a hundred percent basketball in this tiny little quarter inch by quarter inch cutout with an apostrophe for the nameplate. Um, but yeah, it's it's a the green the green jersey. It's the logo man and. Basically, the swatch takes up the whole front of the card, and um, it's a card that when I saw it pop up, I, I just I hit the bin without really thinking about it. Um, I've been on the search for a Pierce Logo Man for a few years now. I, I had one. I had a, a set that you've talked about a bunch, Kyle, the uh, 2009-10 SP Game Used Logo Man, and I, I just didn't mm-hmm. like it, so I ended up selling it and, and stashing those funds away for, for later use, and this popped up and it just tied so many aspects to me. It, it shows the the source jersey on the back of the card. And for those of us that like patches or, or especially logo men, one thing we don't talk about enough is those tags, those logo men, they may not come from jerseys. They could easily come from jackets or shorts. Um, so to be able to see that you've got a logo men from an actual game used jersey, they show the source material. Uh, it just, it clicked a lot of boxes for me and it, it was, I don't like the term grail card, but it was a card that really just fits into my PC and was worth um, was worth paying up for, and um, I just really enjoy. So that, that was a, that was a pretty big piece for me, and, and a, another reason you have not seen a lot of a lot of Crowder mail days is because I definitely have not been bleeding my funds out as I've been replacing that that money that I spent. You mentioned the uh, the Shack apostrophe, which is a, a classic card. If um, if the picture of that, I don't know where it's at now. If that doesn't surface, there is a Mike Dunleavy. Um, cursive R from the word Warriors mm. on eBay right now, and I've made offers on it a couple times. Um, don't ask me why, but uh, it's out there. So if you want an example, you can look that up. It's on eBay, but uh, very very small patch. If you if you want to add to your your PC too, I do believe the letter I from Pruitt is on Com C right now. If you want to pick that up, Kyle. Um, yeah, is that one of the Bowman relics, the Bowman uh, uh, rookie it, rewind or whatever? It might be. I was search. I was searching last night. And I saw an eye pop up. I don't know which which series it's actually from. I used to have a a big baby Davis, and I I don't know why I got rid of it. I love letter cards, but I don't know. Big baby and I, it we got history, man. I don't know. He he weirds me out sometimes. All right. Um, any uh, other mail that you want to talk about? Not much, honestly. I mean, I haven't I haven't been really jiving with the current releases i did pick up um a couple aaron neesmith autos just to to add to my binder for cheap um interesting set and i didn't preview this with you but i kind of gave you a heads up uh, we were talking about some sets panini's done something different this year where they have multi product releases so for rookies they have a set called private signings where they'll have different parts of that set in different products like noir nt they have a a hall of fame one um so neesmith had a 
had a private science. He had two of them, um, one in a home jersey, one in a away jersey. So I picked those up. I picked a John Havlicek uh, relic from 010, from 2000-2001 NBA Legends to, to pair with my uh, autograph that I have from the same set. So it's, it, they use the same style and the same picture. So that was a pretty cool card that's on my Instagram. But really haven't had too many mail days. A lot of it's been in-person stuff recently, which is a change for me. And then... Like I said, just not really enjoying a lot of the new products. I've been kind of slowing things down a bit. How about yourself? Anything you want to throw out there? What, what are you picking? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So I hesitate. I, I had three like three things lined up that I wanted to talk about here. Two of them are in the mail right now. The last time I did this, um, the pack- I talked about how happy I was to receive a card. The package <laughs> showed up and it was the wrong card. So I don't know if I want to jinx myself again. I do have an unopened package of Colin Sexton cards in an envelope on my uh, desk here right now because I want to open this stuff on my YouTube later. Um, I bought this lot for, it was like a $54 lot, and there's one jumbo patch in there that I liked and wanted for my own collection, and then the rest of the stuff, in my opinion, is worth considerably more than $50, so I'm just going to keep that big patch and flip the rest. That's the plan. We'll see. The plan doesn't always go, you know, according to plan, but um, like one of them's an inst, uh, Panini Instant rookie card number to ten, so I feel like that's a pretty good pickup. Even that alone for fifty four, I think could be worth it at some point this season. So we'll see. Any slabbed stuff coming your way, or anything that is getting unslabbed recently at the uh, Boston Steve household? Well, uh, so a few slabs are coming from Com C, but they're part of my 57 uh, Tops basketball set. So those are staying slabbed for sure. Uh, picked it, got a great deal on, uh, and I know we talked about um, qualifiers, PSA qualifiers last time I was on with you. I got a killer deal on a PSA 9 with a OC qualifier uh, recently of, of Ryzen. So I was really excited about that. A little upgrade even with the qualifier just to get something that clean from 57. And then... Um, I did pick up. I, I wish I had a video of this, Kyle. I picked up a, an SGC slab, so it was a, it was a flaw. It was a Robert Paris uh, patch auto, so it's a thick card. It's a hundred thirty point card. Man, one twist of a butter knife, and the thing popped open without even cracking. Like I I, res- I have a resaled SGC slab empty on my bookshelf right now, and I really wish I had a a video of that. It happened so quick, I didn't even know how to react. I just popped the thing right open like it was a a mag. So, uh, but nothing nothing coming my way. I haven't haven't like i said i haven't picked up a lot of stuff and what i have picked up has been raw so nothing that i'm going to be able to to drop a hammer on anytime in the near near future and those of you that are listening um i was i was in such awe at the picture of this clean empty slab that i actually i asked him if he was keeping it or not because i wanted it so um we're gonna have to do something here soon i've been picking up anytime i see at a show a slabbed card for like two or three dollars, I've been getting it, and I actually, and then I had a friend that donated some to the cause. I told him, I said, Steve and I are going to do something with all these slabs. I don't know what yet. We need to have like uh, the slab Olympics or something. So if you're listening and you have some ideas for what we can do, uh, let us know. We want to have some fun cracking these cards out of slabs. And of course, they're worthless cards. We're not trying to destroy anything that has actual value. All right. Anything to add to that, Steve? Before we move on, no. I just think the uh, I wish I was creative enough to come up with an idea of how to run those Olympics on, on the spot, but I'm. It, I think I'm. I'm looking forward to it. That's all I can say. 
All right. Well, um, before we move into the meat and potatoes of today's conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hello, this is Steve, one of the token Boston sports fans that NBA TV kept showing during Paul Pierce's Hall of Fame induction speech, and you are listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Oh, you know what? That's right. You are famous here. And, uh, I, you know, I was watching that. Uh, my wife was sitting on the couch, too, Mrs. Wax Museum, and I said, hey, you know, my friend Steve's there. I remember that shot coming on the screen. I didn't know it was you. Um, so I, I actually remember them talking about the Boston fans and showing them. Um, so now I got to go back. We'll talk about that more in a little bit here, but I got to go back and uh, uh, give you your, you know, give you your praise for being such a celebrity now. Um, okay, for the next portion of the conversation, I want to shift and talk about a trio of your recent in-person hobby outings, which includes the Hall of Fame enshrinement. Um, as we all know, sports card shows have been popping up left and right. You had a pretty big one in your area recently called the Hollywood Collectibles Show, and it's it's not a new show. It's been around a while. Uh, let's start with that one. Tell me about that experience and everything that you planned around that show as well. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna inundate you know this this episode with shout outs, but I, I'm just gonna use a few first names. Let me just let people know who they are. So if I reference Dan, he's on Instagram as the Itch for Cards. Um, I know he he submitted that lovely question about jay crowder's beautiful biceps um my but my good friend jason who him and i go connected through the hobby but we go back many years is, is jb's jalen brown pc um and then we we brought in out of town or up from kentucky um adam the sport card king uh flew up to boston to spend the weekend with us so um so this was i've i've started shows have started opening up um in the boston area uh, we had our state of emergency lifted in april or April or so. So I think Father's Day was the first show I went to. And I've been to three or four cents, but this was by far the largest. Um, this is one that is large enough that, that dealers and attendees do travel from out of state. So it's about 200 to 250 tables in a, a wide range. You've got everything from uh, individuals that specialize in vintage. Like I saw cards that were as old as the 1890s there. Um, up through ultra modern, there were signings. Pierce was there doing a signing. Neesmith, Doug McCavage, they had um, three or four uh, professional athletes there signing every day. There was memorabilia. Um, so it was a a three day show um, in a, a, a Shriners Auditorium. It was a so what we we planned. Um, like I said, Adam came up to town. We went. I went all three days, um, and I'd never been to a show this large and I really went with a different mentality. Uh, the, typically when I go to a show, I don't bring any quote unquote inventory with me, but this this was different. There were enough dealers that I, I was just gonna test the water and, and, and see who was, who was buying, who was trading. So I definitely went with a more aggressive approach and I, I brought some, I dug down to the the PC and I, I made some some pretty big trades. I you know, sent, sent off some autos and some rookies, stuff that I wasn't maybe as connected with. I had a, 
a pretty large sale and a, for me a, a very large sale that I you know went to the bank the next day and deposited some cash um, and I walked away my focus for the for the show was to get some really cool relics of, of legendary Celtics so I did I walked away with a, a bird patch auto out of 10 the beautiful SGC slab that I opened up came from there I got a few Pierce um, autos uh, Bill Russell relic out of a hundred so it was a really different approach to me the the, that side of it was very successful. Uh, the social side of it was very successful, and I'll get to that in a second. The the part that wasn't as successful was the the dollar the quote unquote dollar boxes the the lower end stuff. Um, and when Adam Adam and I were walking the floor one day, and I was I was kind of explaining it to him, Boston historically has not been like as far as the hobby goes an, an area that's big on basketball cards. It's we're a we're a hockey community, we're a baseball community, and, and historically the, the hobby has kind of reflected that. You, a lot of the dealers you see these days will have a great selection of vintage up through modern football, hockey, and baseball, and then they'll have tons of retail basketball because they've, they've hopped in the wave, right? And if they have anything nicer, it's because they maybe have one or two cards that they picked up in a larger lot. So that was definitely reflected this show going through the dollar bins there. I mean, I flipped through for hours, just piles of hoops, premium stock and mosaic, it, <laughs> you know, looking for, and I was looking for some low end stuff. There's a set that a retail set that my daughter and I are, are putting together. One of the pink ice sets that she's five, she's going to be five. Right. So we're putting together that team set. Um, but so that wasn't successful. I was really hoping to find some stuff that, you know, either fit my binders or could even be flippable on comp C or something. Um, but that wasn't, wasn't very successful. Um, uh, but socially it was great. Um, I even traded some cards for a game used Jay Crowder jacket, which I, I haven't shared yet publicly because, um, let's just say that the, I believe the jacket needed to be quarantined. <laughs> um, so there was definitely <laughs> some COVID issues going on, um, large crowds and, um, just, you know, put that one away to let it clean out a little bit after some stuff I learned, but it was great. Um, having Adam come up was awesome. We went out to dinner every night. Um, the, the four of us, we, we all met together through the hobby. Uh, like I said, Jason and I have been friends for a while, but Dan and Adam, um, we all joined a group chat. And then during COVID, when we literally, the height of COVID, when life was shut down, we all decided to get together once a week and do like we Zoom and we do trivia and we show cards and we talk sports. Sometimes we'll we'll watch a game together and we've all been become pretty good friends. And it's not just those, but those guys is more of us, but they were the ones that were able to get to the show. So we, we hung out. Um, Adam stayed with Jason and Dan's families while he was here. Um, and it was just, it was a really good time. It was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot. I learned a different side of the hobby as far as, you know, consolidating and moving some higher end stuff that I really enjoyed. So um, talk to me a little bit about, you You know, you just casually threw it in there meeting Paul Pierce uh, or that Paul Pierce signed. I, I guess I know that you, you met him at the show. Um, but talk to me a little bit about that. What was that experience like? What did you get signed? Um, you know, how did you figure out what you were going to get signed? So I was going to, I've gone to a few signings with Pierce um, and I've, I've got an official game ball. I've got a Celtics um, issued jersey. I, I can't prove it's game used because I can't photo match it, but it's it's absolutely Celtics issued, and I, I believe game used. So I was looking for something a little bit different. So I got I got an upper deck masterpiece um, sign, which is that canvasy card. Um, I'm gonna have to get another one of those signs. I used I used silver ink, and it just didn't pop out. It's it's a picture of him with the NBA Finals um, MVP trophy doing that. He he has like a real classic clenched photo that they the media uses a lot. 
meant to be signed, um, but I just chose the wrong mm-hmm. ink. I tried to get something that would work with the style, um, and it didn't work. So that, but I got it. It was great. Then I got, I found online, Kyle, a really unique piece. It's a game-used warm-up jersey from his year in Brooklyn from um, a Chinese New Year game. So it's probably the only one that was ever made. Um, I photo-matched mm-hmm. it. I, I looked at the tags, the handwriting on it. I could compare it to other jerseys. And if I was wondering if it was game-used, I tossed it up on the table, and Pierce goes, oh, bleep, this is mine. Where'd you get it? So... I think that's a pretty good uh, COA right there, uh, and it was really cool. He was he was pretty taken back by it. He he put a, a really large signature on it. Unfortunately, without the number, you know, normally you sign a jersey on the number. It didn't have that, so he had to use the really sort of soft, silky material. So it did smudge a little bit. Um, very professionally done. There were several handlers there that came and stretched out the jersey. Like, they took their time with it. He inscribed the number 34, which he doesn't typically do. Uh, so getting that piece, that's off at uh, getting professionally framed right now. I'm really looking forward to getting that back. And then, you know, I'm a high roller. I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I paid the extra $5 in admissions fee to get a, a VIP bracelet. And what that did was it allowed Dan and I to cut the line. Uh, so when Pierce was setting up, we were able to be off to the side. We'd cut the line waiting for him. And he was just super engaging with the, with the fans. We were chit-chatting with them. Um, any Pierce fans out there, even just 98 Tops fans will know that his photo on the back is pretty infamous um, amongst Boston fans because he either looks constipated or angry. We call it the angry Pierce photo. And, and Dan like asked him about it and Pierce started talking about you know how it's all at a photo shoot and it's an exhausting day. So just really engaging um, and it, just a cool moment. Um, so that, that was, that was really fun. And I, I got a really unique piece out of it that, that, you know, he recognized. So I, I had those moments. So just a, a good time and some good laughs and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Sometimes when it comes to signings, you know, there is a bit of a premium and you, you look, you know, Hey, I could go buy a signed item for X dollars already, or I could pay more and hopefully have that experience. And, you know, they always say, don't meet your heroes because sometimes those experiences aren't great. Um, so I'm, I'm glad for you that, um, that you had that good experience with him. And then also that he recognized the item. I think that's really cool that, um, he, he kind of cleared up any, you know, if there was any questions about it, it's like, no, Hey, that's mine. So that's awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about, I don't know how long after it, it was, but you posted, well, we're going to talk about a football card. Mm -hmm. Um, you posted a Tom Brady auto on your Instagram shortly after that. And I'm, I'm not trying to jump on all the Brady card hype here or anything like that, but I think the fact that you traded for it in person and it seems like you had some sort of an outing to go get that is significant because not everyone has experienced that either. In fact, I've only done trades at, you know, formal card conventions or shows so how did this happen? What went down here? So it was kind of a spill off of going to the show in person. Like I said, I learned a lot about the value of cards. Not that I'm, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I know how to price a card, but it's different when you're trying to maybe move something to someone that's also looking to move it. So how do you value a card that you maybe are sending to a dealer who then you know needs to reprice it, put in a showcase, et cetera. And, and then you also take off, well, if I sell online, taxes and fees and all that stuff and where's that that middle ground that you're comfortable valuing stuff and then what's the cash value versus the trade value and i just i I learned a lot about that without going to the nuances of sort of my takeaways but it it built a little confidence in me and 
I've wanted a Brady Auto for a long time, and I wish I'd wanted one for such a long time that I actually got one, you know, 10 years ago when they were probably $100. I don't even know. But, um, you know, I'm not even a big football fan. This is my fourth Brady card, and it's that's all I have for football. And sidebar, you talked about the Brady hype. Somehow one of the four cards I'm massively underwater on, despite how they've increased in value, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, that's why I don't do football cards. But, um yeah, I just I've wanted one and I, I just threw it out there. I kind of settled down from going to the show, but I, I knew I had these cards I didn't bring with me. I dug a little deeper and I was what I was really doing is at the same location that show there's gonna be another not as large of a show, but probably a hundred table show coming up in November. And I was in the back of my head I was setting a goal. I wanna bring cards and flip my way up to a Brady Auto was my mindset, right? So I pulled out you know, a Celtics collection, some Tatum stuff. Robert Williams was moving unbelievably well probably too well at the at the recent show i went to so i pulled out you know i had ntrpa of his pulled out some stuff that had some real value to it and i was like okay i've got x dollars in this one card x dollars and if i can move all these cards i should be able to lump them together to get a brady auto and i threw it out to the group chat that i'm in um a lot of the collectors that were at the show were in there and i, I just got a sense of value um one of the guys talked about tops brady autos told me the specific one another guy popped in said oh at the nationals so and so had that one they're local so I, I reached out to a local dealer and and i said hey any chance that you still have this available we talked value um and i was i said i'm gonna be completely transparent my goal was to get something like this in november back in wilmington but would you be open to a trade he said sure send me what you got we went back and forth for probably you know not all, but we were trading messages back and forth over the course of an afternoon and evening. And we came together with a trade um, and we met at the location of the show that I had, I had been to. And he's a well-known dealer in the area. Um, so it was very easy to, you know, feel like I could trust him. And, and we met in a public area. And, uh, you know, one of the things I said, one of the fi rapid fire questions, like communicate with people, get to know people. Um, it's, it's, I feel pretty confident. It's pretty easy to get some vouchers from me from, you know, local dealers that would be well-respected and, and do a lot of volume and stuff um, because I've spent the time to connect with them, right? So I think it was pretty comfortable going and doing this deal. It was by far value-wise the, the single most valuable card I've ever picked up. I have cards that are worth more because they've accumulated over time, but um, by far the most valuable um, and no way I could have put down cash for it. I, I would have had to move cards for it. So ended up doing a a four for one trade, no cash exchanged. Um, definitely value wise gave the dealer a little bit more value knowing that he's, you know, got four cards to move now instead of one, uh, but it was a very fair deal. And um, yeah, super excited. It's one of those cards that I gotta be honest, it's not in my box yet. It's it's still in my bookshelf. And I, I, I like, I pick it up like once a day and I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> I kind of like, I just really enjoy just what it represents. I mean, being in new England, Brady's like, even if you're not a huge football fan, you just you grew up with him being mentioned in the news every single day. He goes about he goes beyond sports as far as the impact of, you know, just growing up in the area. So it's just a piece that I felt like I needed to have as a as a card collector. Yeah, I've actually he's one of those guys. You know, I I've actually picked up a few Brady's over the years because it's like at one point I didn't like the guy, but. I'm I'm into the history of yeah. things, and, and you can't deny his place in history, especially now. I mean, it's become even more clear as we uh, move on with time. Yeah. Um, so, in the same vein, you know, we've got the Basketball Hall of Fame, and that's housing some of this history and enshrining people um, and enshrining a player that um, you recently met and that you collect. So, you 
went to the Hall of Fame enshrinement. So um, I want to hear a little bit more about that because you even told me, because I, I was asking you, hey, you're coming to the National, right? You said, I can't do it. I said, you can't do it. No, I'm going to the Hall of Fame enshrinement. So uh, let's hear about it. Was it worth it? Um, it was because of my connection with Pierre. So I won't, I'll geek out a little bit. Yeah, the fans can, the, your fans can make fun of me. Yeah. I I have been to every Pierce is just he's my guy. I mean, I grew up with my grandmother, Bird and Mikhail were her guys, and before that, before I was born, she was a big actually Collins and Havlicek fan, and even going back before that. But Pierce was my guy. I he was drafted as I was coming out of high school. I'll never have the same connection with. I don't care if Tatum wins five rings in Boston. I won't have the same connection with him as I did like growing up into adulthood watching Pierce. So I've been to every significant moment early playoff games banner raising number retirement returning to boston final game at the garden and i I said since the day he retired that i'd go to his enshrinement uh ceremony so it was definitely a checklist thing for me it was interesting um i'll side a little sidebar so we were going to go to the museum but we're idiots and we didn't think ahead of of course the museum closed early because they i mean we should have figured they did a private ceremony for all the inductees as they put their names up in the room and put their videos uh, displays on. So we got to Springfield two hours early before our dinner reservations had nothing to do. Uh, so I, we, there's a new MGM casino. I don't gamble at all. It's probably the first time I've been in a casino in five years, but when in, when in Rome or when in Vegas do, do as the Vegasians, right? I don't, I don't know which, but threw a few uh, bucks in a slot machine, Kyle, and, out one out came six hundred and fifty bucks. So uh, Dan and Jason oh, were very wow. Dan and Jason were very happy. Dinner was on me. Um, so started so that alone <laughs> made the trip worth it, right? The the, the night could have sucked, and the trip was worth it. Um, but no, it was a very formal a very formal affair. Um, so we got down to it was, it was in a convention center. Um, so we got downtown Springfield. A little bit early, not very early, probably half an hour before the ceremony as, as all the, the players and the VIPs are getting off. You know, it was just kind of cool to, to geek out a little bit. You know, Tayshawn Prince, Patrick Ewing, Rashid Wallace, Ray Allen, you know, um, local guys like Mike Gorman, our, our Hall of Fame play-by-play TV guy. Uh, just really cool just to kind of sit there and take it in. Um I definitely, Dan and I, um, you know, I'm turning 40 in a few weeks. This, to me, was my last last like fanboy moment so we definitely dressed up as you know typical celtics fans we did not have the the suit coats on like most of the people in the hall did um that's why i said the token sports fans they they those cameras found us quick and i think they used us and i'm pretty sure they even like spliced us into random crowds to make the place look a lot more crowded than it was because when you if you see us on tv and there's people around us that's not true because there was nobody around us the place was pretty empty (laughs) where we were um I don't know. But anyways, it was, you know, so it was, it was really fascinating. It was a long night. Freaking C-Web, man, he was the first one to go, and he went well past his five-minute limit for his speech, and I think it just opened up the floodgates. So, Well, that, that kind of describes every time Chris Webber oh. talks. Well, so he opened up the floodgates. I think had someone with the brevity of a KG gotten up there and done the first one, I think it's, you know, we all, we've all been to professional development seminars. Like the first person kind of sets the tone a little bit. Then look, this is a little off topic, but man, Bob Dandridge got up there, and I don't even know what he's talking about. But he went on for like twenty five minutes to the point where he finally stopped mid sentence and goes, "Okay, the teleprompter's been beeping at me long enough. I'm going to get off stage now." 
This this is horrible, but I told my wife, I said, if I were watching this on YouTube, I'd put it on two times speed. <laughs> <laughs> so did you watch the whole ceremony? No, I okay. didn't. I was watching uh, an Indiana Hoosiers football game, and they were up by like 40. So I'm like, well, I'll watch a little of this, right. even though I know it's going to be boring. Call, call out to your listeners. Somebody's got to reach out to us and tell us what was going on with Ben Wallace. If he his speech was like was like spoken poetry, but he when he he was when he was up there for the first time because punchline he stormed the stage and came up a second time and I'll get to that. But he was swinging his head side to side so his mouth was going past the microphone so you couldn't even understand him. Um, I think he maybe had a message there, but the most fascinating thing was all of a sudden Minnesota Ramoni. Um, we hear coming from the stage. And coming back to the, coming back to his talk again is Ben Wallace, and he gets up there and kind of like angrily talks to the crowd about when he was drafted, and then he looks straight out into the crowd and goes, "I've left, and I come back." And then he walked off the stage. It was the most bizarre thing, and I need to know <laughs> I need to know what it was all about. So I'm hoping some Ben Wallace fans, because the place just went dead silent. Nobody knew what to do. Um, and then Pierce's speech I thought was great. Again, fanboy, I laughed. Um, I thought he did a good job. He was super relaxed, um, you know, a little pissy that he wasn't the headliner, but it also allowed me to get out of there. I did not stick around for Chris Bosch um, to give his speech. I heard it was a really good speech. I'm not a huge Bosch fan, and I was kind of pissy that the Miami Heat basically got to got to headline things. But but overall, it was a you know I'll never do it again. I'm I'm glad I was there. To you know, I, I think Dan, Jason, and I all agreed. Pierce's speech alone made it worthwhile. It was great to hear from some of the other legends of the game. Um, some people we didn't know, you know, we could have cared less about, but it was, it was enjoyable being there. Um, it was a good night. Good to get, get together with friends. I won't do it again. All right. Well, I don't think we can get any bigger than the hall of fame ceremony for this last week and all of your hobby adventures. So we should probably stop there. Steve, I've enjoyed chatting with you as always. You've been on this show many times before. Uh, you know the drill. Before I let you go, uh, I want to give you a chance to offer any final thoughts or promote anything you're working on right now. The uh, These next few moments are yours. Cool. So if you have any new listeners, uh, what I'll just say is for myself, uh, I'm Shawley2003. It's, it's S-Howley, H-O-W-L-E-Y, but it's it's Shawley in the hobby. Uh, and actually, Kyle, the one thing that I do want to want to plug is for those that are listening to this the day it drops, which would be Thursday, uh, this evening I'm going to go live with a mail day with one of your former guests. I haven't told you this yet. Alex Connell collection. I picked up a very, uh, unique oh, card okay. that I haven't opened yet. And if anybody knows Alex or knows his, um, what he's been up to recently, you might be able to guess the card that it is, but I'm going to go live on Instagram with him, um, Thursday and then I'm, I'll save that video and post it. But, um, it's, I'm going to save it, you know, tune in. If, if you're not sure the type of card, I think the story will really impress you. And if you do know what I'm hinting at, then I think it's it'll be a really cool reason to tune in too. So Connell Collection will be joining me for a live on, on Thursday evening this week. All right. Well, I, I've i got some ideas here, but I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in for that. I'm excited about that. Two guys that I enjoy um, hanging out with and, and chatting with about hobby stuff. So uh, once again, thanks, Steve. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Kyle. All right. Well, there you have it. I want to extend a big thanks to Steve for taking the time to come on the show. He's always a good sport about doing so. He's incredibly easy to work with. And as I told him before we signed off, 
Um, I always have a good time when I chat with him. And hopefully you guys enjoyed today's conversation as well. Maybe there was something that either one of us said that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Thank you.